What's going on, everybody? Happy Sunday. Hope everyone's having a good day so far. Whether you're tuning in live or listening in later, happy to have you here. And we apologize we started a little late this evening. Uh, for those of you that don't know and those that are listening in, uh, Pace and myself, we run a three-day mastermind every quarter of the year, and we have been for the last couple of years. And uh, yeah, so just came off of um, spending 12 to 15 hours uh, with an awesome group of people over the last three days, and I literally just finished that came home and uh, showered, and here we are on Sunday service. So uh, here to you know, continue leading the charge and being here for each and every one of you. Um, so appreciate the patience with us getting started here. So um, would love to see where everybody's tuning in from. Let, me, let us know in the uh, comment sections. Uh, for those asking, it is a sub two mastermind. So essentially what you have to do is, one, you have to be a sub two student to even be able to be a part of the mastermind. Um, mainly Pace does that because he doesn't want random people coming into the community. Um, so it's kind of a... Uh, um, system where you have to be a sub two student to understand the culture. And then um, from being a sub two student, then you can be a part of that mastermind as well um, and elevate and grow yourself and your leadership skills uh, from that point forward. So um, so that's what we're coming off of. So um, Robin already on Sunday service. My gosh, she was at the mastermind. Amazing. Congrats, Robin, on, on being there. So I know Pace was also finishing up. I ran home to make sure that I could be on here with all of you tonight. Um, Pace should be hopping on here in a little bit. Uh, but let's go ahead and, and dive right in. Um, tonight, what I would love to do is spend some time on some question and answer, um, changing it up a little bit around, you know, what... Uh, what would you, what, where are you feeling stuck? You know, is it lead generation or your questions that you might have, um, you know, that I could help you answer on here on Sunday service. And for those of you that are tuning into Sunday service for the first time, Pace and myself started this almost three years ago with the intention of, we want to help a lot of people. Um, when we first were starting our real estate journeys, we didn't have an outlet to really go to, to be able to get information and to be able to uh, elevate our businesses as fast as we would have liked to right off the bat. We had to go th through the hard knocks and, and, you know, go through the challenges and the tribulations and all those trials that we had to work through. And the reason we wanted to create Sunday services, this is our way of, you know, we work five, six days a week. Sundays, you know, we typically spend a good amount of time with our family, but this is our way that we start because of how blessed we've been from the real estate industry. We want to be able to share and bring, you know, the things that we've learned to be able to help more people live a better life through real estate and, you know, uh, 
and what it can do for you. So um, would love to answer some questions tonight around, you know, whether, uh, you know, specifics around things that you're doing in your real estate business that you feel stuck on, would be happy to do some Q&A around that or lead generation topics as well. Um, or if you have some creative finance questions, happy to answer some of those tonight as well. So um, recapping before, I, I know there's going to be a lot of questions, but I'm just going to you know, recap, um, just some, some nuggets from, from this weekend, um, from this mastermind. And, uh, then I'm going to, you know, answer. I'm already seeing a lot of questions coming through. I promise I will start to get to those. Uh, but this, this weekend was amazing. And I think I'm just going to talk on just how important it is to invest in yourself. Um, and, and I think the thing that's interesting about this is people don't bat an eye at, you know, going to school, going, you know, going through all the way through high school, graduating high school, going and loading up on student debt to go in to get a degree for a job that may or not may or may not exist. Obviously, if you're very specialized and you had a strong plan of, you know, what job you were going to work out of college, that's different. Um, but the path that I development journey, which is investing in mentors. And so regardless if, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say, um, you know, for, for us, um, I, I would say for us, you know, definitely don't spend any money on, uh, you know, any courses or things that create, we aren't here on some and service trying thing, um, but really more so the reason I want to talk about how important it is for
Let's see. Let's see if we're back. Let me know if you could hear me. Let me know if you could hear me. Sorry, everybody. Typically, we have a lot better connection and everything going on. Usually, we have a lot more preparation right before. It's also storming and raining sideways, and all of the uh, internet at my house has been going out the last hour. So, doing the best that I can with that. I wish I could wave a magic wand and make that perfect, but doing doing what I can with what I got here. So, okay. So, yes, you hear me. You guys got to be grateful. I told my girlfriend she had to turn off all of her all of her devices. I'm like, yo, turn off the Wi-Fi, disconnect from everything. I need all the internet I can get. <laughs> hey, T dot, we make too much money to have connection issues. Tell, please, please tell me how to fix it when it's storming, and I will fix it. Tell me who I need to pay, and I will do it. So. Oh, it looks like a pacer. Yo, yo, yo. Sorry about that, brother. How you doing, man? I think Cody's so, having a hard time, guys. Ooh. All right, Cody. Guys, how you doing, everybody? Good to see everybody. Cody's got crappy internet again today. I am here. I'm so sorry I'm late. We are having a hell of a storm here in Mesa, Arizona, and... The internet is just crapping out all over the place. So thank you guys so much for being patient. I think Cody's got to restart his computer, I would assume, um, or something. But good to get, see you guys. Happy Sunday service. We had an amazing, amazing weekend. Cody and I had our three-day mastermind here in Phoenix, Arizona. Had 60 people come out, plus 10 of our existing uh mastermind students came back. It was amazing. So we had about 70 people in the room and uh, just vibed and had an unbelievable weekend. Had a thought today. It was really interesting. We, were, we brought my wife in and talked about marriage advice and all of that kind of stuff, like how to work with your spouse, how to have your spouse want you to work as an entrepreneur, how your spouse should be okay with you wanting to be an entrepreneur, all of those things. Okay. All of those things were um, amazing topics that we went through in the mastermind. But I thought there's a lot of people out there that go and buy a rental property. So think about this. You work really hard. You go save up all your money. You get good credit. You find a title company. You find a deal. You comp. You underwrite. You do all these things. You go through this arduous journey to finally open escrow on a rental property. And then what happens is you're so damn excited about this rental property that you take photos of the title company holding this magical key, you know, everybody talks about and the, that photo of like, hey, I bought a house, look at me. And you go through all of that. You turn it into a rental by doing tons of work, tons of things. You try everything you possibly can. You ask everybody for advice, right? All the way through that process. And then you find a tenant that doesn't do their job, which is pay their rent and uphold their part of the bargain. So what do you do? Well, you have to have a freaking breakup with that tenant. You have to get them out. You have to do um, an eviction. <coughs> All right. <coughs> and it's not fun. 
doing an eviction is not fun. You have to go through all this process and mediation and all of this kind of stuff just to break up with a tenant that didn't do their job, which you believe like, hey, I created this atmosphere. I created this place for you to rent, did all of these things for you and you didn't want to pay me. Perfect. All right, great. You're out. That takes months. It's horrible. You have shell shock. So you go get another tenant. And let's just say hypothetically, which doesn't happen a lot, but it's less likely to happen a second time in a row, but it happens again. Okay. It happens again. Some of you guys think I'm talking about real estate right now. I'm not. Okay. I'm leading into something that has nothing to do with real estate, but it has a really perfect tie-in. So your first tenant doesn't work out. You have to go through this eviction, attorneys, costs, you know, essentially like you're breaking up. You're breaking up with this tenant. It's horrible. It's not fun. You, you ghost them. You go, you know what? Just talk to my attorney. You do all these amazing tactics so you can avoid the conversation. And then ultimately what ends up happening, you get a second tenant. Hopefully that tenant works out, but let's say they don't. Well, you look at that property and you go, you know what? Either I'm not fit to be a property owner or I just have a really tough time with bad expectations. I guess the lease agreement is expecting too much for people to just do their part of the bargain. What do you do? What do you do in that situation? What do you do with that situation? Well, a lot of really experienced real estate investors would look at the property, look at their arrangement, look at their deal and realize, wow, I might've bought in a bad area. I might have bought in an area I thought was going to attract a good quality tenant. But in fact, I actually built something. I put something together that attracted really, um, you know, bad tenants. It was in a heavily crime ridden state, you know, or city or zip code or what have you. And you decide, you know what, I'm just going to sell this. I'm going to get rid of it. It's not performing. I've done everything I possibly can and it's not performing. Wow. So you get rid of it. Seems like a logical thing to do. Incredibly logical. You worked really hard to get there. You worked all the way through the process to get there. It didn't work out. And ultimately, you decide to dump the, the, this investment that you made. And so today, as we talked about relationships, both business relationships and marriage, spousal relationships, it made me think about real estate is that so many people are willing to jump into um, a bad deal with bad expectations, not the proper paperwork, not the proper um, roles and responsibilities on both sides. But like their parents of the past that stayed in these marriages that are not actually providing a return on investment, return on their time, they stay in these bad deals for 20, 30 years because that was the model we were given. So it's interesting to think about how there's such a really perfect tie-in with real estate and how people will stay in bad partnerships, but they'll dump a, dump a bad real estate deal. They'll stay in really bad relationships, but they'll dump a bad real estate deal. It's like, what are you guys doing? It's either A, you found a bad deal, okay? You ran into a bad deal and you were so damn excited about this deal or this marriage that you ran as quickly as you could to the title company to get that shot or that wedding photo standing in front of where you get married. You're so excited. It's like the honeymoon phase. And it's the same thing in real estate. You go get a deal and it's like the honeymoon phase. You could not be more excited about this marriage or this real estate deal. 
But for some reason, people don't use logic when they get into these relationships. They use essentially their emotions. It's incredibly interesting, incredibly interesting to watch people stay in bad relationships and not work on one side or the other. So my question to everybody in the audience today is, when I go and invest in a real estate deal, that's I know it's a good deal or it's a bad deal, which means I know if it's a, there's a good ROI, return on the investment, right? I give it time, I give it money, I give it attention. There's something that it brings back to me. Question to ask everybody today, okay? Question to ask everybody today, including myself. This is something I got to ask myself. Is your significant other getting a return on their investment with you? Is your business partner getting a return on investment with you? Is your girlfriend, your spouse, your wife of 20 years, are they getting the return on investment that they signed up for? It's an interesting thought process. Do your friends get a return on investment with you? Do they spend time with you? Do you guys hang out with each other? Is there a return on their investment? Are you a good investment? I would say Cody Barton is a phenomenal investment. I know Pace Morby is a good investment because I try every day. Cody Barton is a phenomenal investment. There is a tremendous ROI in these amazing relationships. So you have to ask yourself in your partnerships, in your relationships with your wife, your husband, your relationships with your friends or people in the side comments, are you a good return on investment? Are Cody and I a good return on investment? Is Sunday service a good return on investment? Wake, wake up tomorrow morning and ask yourself that question. Where are people investing in you and not getting their return on investment? It was an interesting thought for me, thinking about deals that do work and deals that don't work and how quickly we are, how quickly we like dump a bad deal. It's not a good deal. Dump it. Yet people will stay in a bad relationship, a bad marriage for 30 years, 40 years, because that was the model that was given to them. Interesting. Cody, how was, how was the mastermind this weekend, bro? It was insane. Mastermind was amazing. I was just, <clears throat> I was just mentioning earlier before you had hopped on just how, how powerful it is when you get in a room of people that are all serious about, you know, changing their lives and, you know, open for feedback and open for change and that want to help each other. And, and that's exactly what we had over these last few days. And it's been, it's just really cool to see that just because, like where where else do you go to get a group of people like that together that want to be there that they invested to be there but they want to be there they want to contribute they want to help each other they're all trying to make their lives better in every area and it's like that's just my favorite type of room to be in is just where people want to become a better version of themselves and so i mean it it was an amazing weekend I, it was the best one yet by far that we've ever done I, I agree. And I, I didn't get a chance to thank you for how hard you work on those. And, um, you know, watching you and Matt really crush it and do your thing. We switched up a lot of things to, like this last couple of weeks, like the the one on ones individually and like the way we split the rooms. And we had medium wave Dave and and uh, Lonza come in and tag team. Actually, Lonza and 
um, medium wave Dave are upside they're up in my kitchen talking about creative finance with a handful of people just breaking yeah. down deals and doing all this kind of stuff it's interesting to see how much Cody myself and Matt we serve as much as we possibly can we pr we we show the the model right the avenue and then it becomes infectious for other people and they want to go out and they want to help other people get their first deals it's freaking insane and there are a lot of, you know, Bo Howard says, I would be scared to death, but would love to sit in the hot seat at a mastermind. Have you ever been in a hot seat at a mastermind, Cody? I don't know that it's a common practice. I think we're the only no. ones that really do it. One mastermind, which was Colton Lindsay had, he doesn't do it very often when he does the hot seats, but he did a hot seat at this particular one. And I did get one time ever out of, probably more than a dozen masterminds that I've paid for or attended and, you know, dozens of other events that I've attended one time. So not very common. <laughs> um, Lynn Monet, love her. She's in hey. here today. Michael, who was just in the mastermind and actually Tyler's, I, I think, oh, here you go. Tyler, I owe a thousand dollars to for beating you at go-kart racing last night. I, you know, I have to say, I still believe that I had the best time of the entire night, but that last race where it was position, Tyler took it home. So that's all I can say. I had a clean race. Everybody else was driving like buttholes and crashing into each other behind us. So I'm just glad that we stayed out of that. <laughs> well, I, we've got us. We've got a special guest for you today. Um, I have not told Cody that we're bringing this magical human being on the screen, but his name is Richard Knowles. He's out of Southern California. He's an OG student and his partner, Mr. Mitch Roy, also out of Southern California. We freaking love him. I think he looks even better with the beard. Michael and Richard Noel, or I'm sorry, Mitchell and Michael. I'm sorry, Mitch Roy and Richard Knowles. I'm very sorry. You tell we've had three very long days. <laughs> What's up, guys? How What's are up, you? Guys? So, guys, I, the reason I'm bringing these two handsome gentlemen on Sunday service with us is a couple of weeks ago, we had one of our OG students, Tevin Moxham, came in, had a great episode, broke down a couple of deals and talked about seller finance. And then, you know, I thought some of the most important people in all of Sub 2 are Mr. Mitch Roy and Richard Knowles. And so today I thought I'd bring them on here. I get a lot of DMs of people saying I need help in California. I need help in general. I need somebody calling my sellers. I need somebody locking up deals. I need somebody to look at my deals and see if it's a good deal. I need somebody to underwrite a creative finance deal. And I go, that's not me, man. That's my students. That's my, that's my brothers in arms, my, my creative finance brothers in arms. And so today I thought we would bring in Richard Knowles and Mitch Roy. Um, what I want to do, Mitch and Richard, I don't know if you guys can do this, but is there a way you guys can change your name to have your phone number or your email involved in your name on the screen? I'm going to pull you off the screen for a minute while you do that. I want you guys to have their phone. I want you guys to put your phone number, your address, not your address, but your <laughs> social security number, your blood type. Just kidding. Mother's maiden name. Mother's maiden name. I really want to bring these boys on here, but I want to make sure that however they want to be communicated with, whether it's email or phone, I want to make sure that their name reflects that. Okay. Um, see, check this out. Krista says, I'd like somebody to look at my California leads as well. Well, guess what? I got two magicians on the freaking screen today. 
Okay. Mr. Roy, Mitch Roy has got his phone number on here. Mitch, how you doing, brother? I am doing fantastic. How are you, Pace? How are you, Cody? Doing good. Good to see you, Mitch. Good to Bro, see you, you Your beard looks so good this way. My wife wants me to shave it off. She says when I kiss her, it tickles her lip. Well, at least you're at least you're getting kisses, dog. Because <laughs> I'm doing deals. That's the only reason. There you go. So, um, Mitch and um, Richard, where do you guys where are you guys doing deals? How can you help out the audience? Just so we can lay that out at the at the front, and then we're gonna do some Q and A, answer some stuff, just kind of riff together and hang out for the next fifty minutes or so. Take take it, Richard. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we, uh, Mitch and I, are co-leaders of the SoCal Sub Two Group, and we also are the organizers of Creative JV Meetup Group. And you know, we actually do a lot of deals in California where we JV with other students. It's all about collaboration, real estate, relationship business, right? Just like you were saying earlier, P Diddy, Pace, um, P. Diddy. You know, what kind of ROI are you getting from your investment, right? So we invest in relationships, not just internally in Sub Two, but people outside of Sub Two. Right, we want to help people. My ROI is seeing other people succeed. Um, that's what I want to see. That's that's my passion, helping other people, not just sellers, you know, flippers, you know, um, you know, whatever, other wholesalers. I love helping people. That's why I'm in this business. And so we're here to JB. We're here to help you. So does it does it have to be in California, Mitch? Do you guys only help people in California? No, we, we per personally focus on a number of states, but anybody who calls us, we'll do a deal in South Dakota, anywhere, you name it. We Amazing. JV with people all over the country. Okay, so here's, here's a couple of questions. Let's say I'm brand new. I've got 500 people watching live right now. Okay. What will end up happening is we'll end up having probably 50,000 people download this episode this next week. So you have a lot of people reach out to you and there will be a lot of people that reach out to you for months and months and months to come. So I want to make sure that they are reaching out to you with a very specific goal in mind. I don't want people reaching out to you that are like, hey, how do I get started in real estate? Is that is that a good question for people to call you and ask you? No, we get that. We get that. So I don't want people calling. Guys, if you're just starting in real estate, Go, watch, go type in Pace Morby, how to get started in real estate on YouTube, and it'll answer that question for you pretty in-depth. What you need to be doing, in my opinion, if you've got gentlemen that are on the screen, Richard Knowles, Mitch Roy, that are willing to look at your leads, are you guys willing to comp a deal? Are you willing to call a seller? Are you willing to tell people whether a sub two or a seller finance deal is a good opportunity or if it's a bad opportunity? What can what should you be what should people ex be expecting from you if they give you a call? Yeah, so we're happy to help with anything. Uh, we can help you on the right. We can help you comp. We can help you uh, structure creative financing. Uh, all of the above. Um, that's what we're here for. Uh, we want to just help people. You know, as people call us and ask what they think might be a dumb question, but it's really no dumb questions, right? You're a fool until you ask the question, right? And learn, right? So, you know, we want to help everybody. That's that's the thing. There's no dumb question, right? We want to help you. Um, so we want to provide value to you, right? So um, we'll help you on the right. We'll help you comp. We'll call your sellers. We'll help you dispo. All of the above. Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. I, I This is what I love more than anything. People DM me. They DM Cody. And what I say is I go, guys, go to the free creative finance Facebook group with Pace Morby. 
and you'll find leaders like Mitch Roy and Richard Knowles. But you know what? Mitch Roy and Richard Knowles have been in, in sub two for so long, and they've helped so many people get their deals that I really wanted to highlight them today and talk about this. So, okay, let's jump into some Q&A. Let's hang out. Let's just vibe together, the four of us, and let's do a little bit of uh, teasing Cody about his internet connection today. Cody, are you still on dial-up right now? Yeah, I just had to tell Hyle to get off of the, the home phone so we can, uh, you know, keep the keep the service. Oh good. my gosh, you remember the the good old days when like people would pick up the the phone and it would cut off the internet? Holy moly! <laughs> okay, so here let's let's answer let's ask answer this question as as a group. All right. Juan Vazquez says, hey, Pace, is there any way to work around, get around realtors for sub two deals? I have run numbers for a 23 unit complex that looks amazing, but it's on market. There a way to do a subject two deal here. Yes. OK, a couple of things. First and foremost, you can do subject two deals with real estate agents. OK, you just need to understand how to talk to that real estate agent and also, I would tell you that if the, if the property has just recent be, recently been uh, listed, that's probably not something that the listing agent is going to say, yeah, we're open to non-cash offers right now. That's not going to happen right out of the gate, okay? Second thing I would say is if you are wanting to go around real estate agents, then why are you looking at on-market deals? This is, this is, this is what I hear. Okay. Pace, I really want to buy a Toyota Prius, but I'm at a Ford dealership. Is there any way I convince Ford to go get me a Prius and bring it over here and sell it to me? That is as crazy to me as you telling me, how do I go around or get a sub two deal on an on market deal? They're two different things. You're barking up two different trees. Okay, you're barking up an orange tree, expecting an apple to come out of it when you really should. If you want off market deals and you don't want to go with real estate agents, then go directly to the sellers. Skip trace and call the sellers. But if you are working on market deals, then expect to go through a real estate agent and expect to have a different conversation. Richard, Mitch or Cody, what do you have to say about this? <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of things. I, you made some great points, but one thing that sticks out in our mind is the concept of go around. Uh, and, and we learned this from you years ago. You never want to go around anybody because you live or die by your reputation and you want to be known as someone that is honest and trustworthy and credible. Uh, and, and that's how we get a lot of our leads by doing the right thing consistently. And, and people value that. So there's always ways to work with Realtor. Richard and I are doing one right now where we're doing a creative finance deal with the realtor and we're completely transparent with them on everything and they love it. And realtors are one of the best sources of leads. I love that. Oh, yeah. Answer. yeah, truly, um, like Mr. Said, you know, if you see a property on the market, expect to work with the realtor. Um, whether it's you're the one listing the property or the, you're the one buying the property. Um, so Mitch and I, you know, we're signing a gas station uh, deal and we put it on the market. So we got it off market, we put it on the market and we're gonna pay the realtor who bought the, the client who's buying this property, right? So we are paying the realtor a 2.5% commission, right? So, oh, I'm sorry, we're splitting commission in half. Yeah, but you know, the realtor brought us a buyer, 
right? So we're going to pay the realtor if we're bringing us to buy it, right? It's a relationship that we invested in with that realtor. 100%. And then I think it's also looking at what what are you trying to accomplish? You know, are you trying to, you know, like Mitch said, like being short-sighted and going around? Like I And I don't know, maybe they didn't mean that maliciously, like I'm going to go around them directly to the seller. But, you know, when... Uh, when you're trying to work with agents, you just have to understand what is it that the agent is trying to accomplish. There are only three things that a real estate agent cares about. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I don't know the three things he's going to say. I'm, guys, I'm going to learn. Oh, hold on. Let me write this down. I don't know this. I, don't, I actually don't know the answer to this. So hold on. Let me take a note. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where he's going with this. This is very important for me. What do you got? What are the three things? Here, take note. Number one, their commission. Oh, damn. Okay. Number two their commission oh okay don't tell number me number three, three is something other than commission their commission oh, okay got it <laughs> love it i be in my favorite are the real estate agents that are like i work i love my clients so much well i would do anything for them would you list their house for free whoa 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 would you tell oh. them that they have another option besides just paying you three percent to sell their house <laughs> Cody just dropped a bar right there. I I would do anything for my client, says the real estate agent. Okay, would you list their property for free? Oh, anything but that. <laughs> I'm not saying they should list for free. I'm just saying they sure do speak a high game. It all comes down to their commission. And so at the end of the day, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody no, needs to get paid. No. That's yeah. not what you're saying. You're not saying they don't deserve to get paid. What are you saying, Cody? What I'm basically saying is it's the reason I, I'm really hitting the point of the commission is you have to help them understand how are they going to be compensated? Because you start going to a real estate agent and you say, I want to do this weird, unique thing. In their mind, it's weird and unique. For us, this is normal. For them, in their mind, this weird creative finance strategy that they could possibly not be getting paid for. So like in that conversation... Whenever we're, you know, a real estate agent's involved, one of the first things that we address is, hey, you know, if there's a deal that could be worked out here, we always make sure to make sure that your commission is taken care of. So in the event that a deal does work out and your commission is going to be paid, here are the ways that we would look at maybe structuring this. And let me tell you a little bit more about blah, 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 whatever we're trying to accomplish. But out front, you know, up front, letting them know, hey, we're going to make sure you're still getting paid on this deal because unfortunately, and, and I worked as a real estate agent, so I know this from firsthand experience, but unfortunately, real estate agents generally, unless they go to learn this information on their own outside of their schooling, they don't learn anything about subject to, they learn very little if nothing or nothing about seller finance transactions. They don't learn anything about lease options. They don't learn anything around different ways to creatively structure a deal that could make the best situation for their particular client. They learn you list a property, you get paid, you know, you get paid a certain percentage, you help a buyer buy a property, you get paid a certain percentage. And here are the ways that you can go hopefully find clients. And here's the 72 different ways that you can get sued as a real estate agent. All right, here's your license. Good luck. Have fun. Like that's, that's what real estate school is. So that's what we, that's what we all have to realize that these real estate agents got taught initially. And that unless they go out and learn these things on their own, you have to be the one that comes as that professional and shares with them like how they're going to be compensated and lead them down the path. Love that. So um, Bo Howard out of Oregon, 
says, when an agent hears seller finance, all they hear is no commission. So what I always say when I'm talking to an agent is I say, if we can get your commission paid, could we get this deal on owner finance, seller finance, subject to creative finance, whatever the word is, as long as we can get your commission paid, could we get your client on board with blah, blah, blah? That's it. You start with that. That's how you start. Okay. Um, this is a good question. Real quick one. We won't, we don't have to spend much time on this, but I'm going to tell you right now, the answer is on this screen right now. Anthony says, I bought a pre-foreclosure list and I have the latest wholesale contract that Pace released earlier this month. I remember hearing not to use this contract for a sub two deal. That is correct. Do not use it because you're not just signing a sub two deal with a contract, but you have multiple other documents that need to be signed beyond a sub two contract. So any of you guys that are not sub two students, here is the question and I will give you the answer. Anthony says, what do I use instead? You're looking at the two gentlemen that will solve your problem. If you do a sub two deal with Mr. Mitch Roy, Richard Knowles, seller finance, et cetera, they have my permission to show you the documents that they are using to get a deal done with you. Your price that you pay for getting those contracts is doing a deal with people who are trained and know how to fill out those documents. They are trained. They know how to do those. So I will never, ever on my dead body give out free sub to seller finance lease option, novation agreement contracts. They need to always go through our sub two students. And you got two of them right here on the screen. And Mitch has got a handsome beard. You got to trust the guy. Okay, here we go. A couple of really great questions in here, by the way. Um, there's a really good one about, okay, Jeffrey Seibert, car subject to. My brother is dying and would like to give me his car that has financing. My time is running out. Can you please explain how to do this and how much you will charge me for the paperwork? You'll have to sell me the car. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's a, it's a pretty simple agreement, okay? You have to have what is called a bill of sale, okay? And that bill of sale says I'm buying the property subject to, okay? And then you go and transfer the, the uh, registration from your brother's name to your name, and then you log into, like I log into, um, I, have a, I own a car, it's a Kia, subject to. I log into Ally Financial, it's underneath a lady named Jessica's account. I've never met Jessica. I just bought her car subject to, and I log into her account and I make the payment of 400 and something dollars a month on that Kia. It's pretty simple. Okay. You have the registration and there's a contract that states once the title is, is transferred or given to her, then it, it actually is sent to you and you submit that to the bank. Okay. It's more, the paperwork is not really the hard part. It's the process in which you do it. Okay. This is great. Cody, I think this is, this is, Cody, this one's a fun one for both of us. Pace, I have $750,000, but no income or assets. I'm moving to Branson, Missouri area in August. Well, you could basically buy the whole state of Missouri for $750,000, just letting you know. 
I'm not finding any sub two or off market deals. Well, it's because you're probably not looking consistently more than maybe one hour over a course of a week and saying, I didn't really find any deals. How much should I budget, my, budget myself to buy myself a home? I am a Gator lender. Christopher Christensen. There are sub two deals flying at me every single day from students. You are net networking with subject two students. Okay. That is already, I already know that's what you are not doing. The average cost, Cody, what would you say off the top of your head? Our average cost of a sub two or seller finance deal out of our pocket, down payment, closing cost, furniture, et cetera. He looks frozen, but I'm not sure. Are you frozen, Cody? Yeah, he's frozen. All right, so here's the answer. The answer is our average cost to get into a subject to deal cash-wise, whether I borrow that from a private money lender, I use my own cash, I pull it off of a credit card, or I bring on a financial partner that I split the deal with, it's $35,000. So for $750,000, I could buy 20 subject to or seller finance deals. That's my average. Some, one of them might be 100. One of them might be 10. One of them might be 20. One of them might be 45. But the average is 35. Okay. Is Cody, is this a bit, Cody? I think Cody's doing a bit on us, um, guys. Do you think this is a game that he's playing? Let's see. Are you, Cody, are you back? No, he's not back. I see him moving. Okay, there he is. He is back. I thought it was a bit. I really thought you were do pulling the mannequin challenge. Oh my god. <laughs> um, Richard Knowles and Mitch, you guys, uh, you guys have done some deals. Um, if you had seven hundred fifty thousand dollars just plop in your hand, would you just go out and buy houses cash, or what would you do with seven hundred fifty thousand dollars? I would buy about seven hundred fifty houses. <laughs> seven hundred fifty houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I freaking love that. Uh, that's a great answer. All right, cool. Here we go. Oscar says, "When is the right time to reach out to in my investor loan when you're trying to take a loan to cover the entry fee when getting it on seller finance?" That is, Oscar. That is not how you get a loan to cover the entry fee on a seller finance deal. My investor loan, Cody. What kind of loans does my investor loan do? Oh my gosh, this guy's trash today. All right. My investor loan gives loans for fix and flips. Okay. That'll give you 90% of the purchase, 90% of the renovation. Cody, you back? You look we'll back see. like you're back. I'm feeling good. Here we go, I'm Cody. Here. Why? <laughs> okay. Krista right. gave you the answer. The person that's going to give you a, uh, the price or the, I'm sorry, the money for a down payment on a seller finance deal is a private money lender or a Gator lender. That's it. And those are actually two different things. A Gator lender is somebody who's temporarily funding a transaction for a short duration. A private money lender keeps their money in the deal for a long duration. Okay. There is a difference. Ooh, Cody, this is a better answer or question for the three of you. Hopefully, Cody, you there? Oh my gosh, what a trash. What a trash internet situation he's got. So Mitch and Richard, I wonder if you guys have a question or an answer here. I'm going to let Cody start. Cody, you back? Oh my gosh, this guy, I swear it's a bit. It's a bit. No, I'm, you back? I'm here. Yeah, let me know what's up. Tell okay, me the perfect. question. How would you it. deal with vacant properties how would you deal with vacant properties in a dissolved LLC? A vacant pro I mean, so you just want to find out who the owners of that LLC were. So you just need to go look into, it doesn't matter if the LLC was dissolved. 
just looking back to what was the ownership of that LLC and then going back to those other owners. That's essentially all you have to do is skip trace those people. It doesn't matter again if it's dissolved. You just need to find back to whoever the owner was on that entity or owners and try to reach out to them. And you could use batch leads to skip trace them. You know, there's different options that you can uh, that you can utilize to skip trace those people. Um, okay, I I don't I, do we spend much time on this, Mitch or Richard? Do you guys spend much time on like chasing down vacant properties in a dissolved LLC, or do you just move on to leads that are actually popping? Yeah, so we try not to spend too much time on a lead. However. If it is um, at the profit, seeing like a good profit, if it's gonna be a, a good deal, like it's gonna be a good assignment fee, or it's gonna be a good rental or Airbnb, uh, then we'll have a VA, uh, deep prospect, uh, that lead. You know, go on Facebook, talk to the relatives, uh, all that kind of stuff. So we do that ourselves, but have a VA. So we kind of delegate that work to a VA to try to find that person. Love it. Okay, cool. So again, guys, if you're just tuning in, because we've got 550 people watching live right now, we've got Mitch Roy and Richard Knowles. I want you guys to see, let's see, let's see who gets more emails or more text messages. Let's do this. Let's do a contest. We've got Mitch Roy at gmail.com or Richard was ballsy enough to give his freaking phone number out. I want to see who gets more emails versus text messages between now and the end of the show in 35 minutes. Okay, let's get let's get cranking on that. Here's a great question. Never lag. How ironic is that? He must have changed his name. This, Cody, is this you in another is this you in another like moniker? Yeah, I'm never I'm just lag. Commenting, uh, from my from my phone on the side. I love it. He says pace. Yo, I got my first sub two deal closing funding tomorrow. Stoked. Pace would be proud. Never lag. Hashtag never lag, Cody. Um, Pace is a goober, and Cody is also a goober. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> also, would love confirmation that my partner's old sub two seller is able to get another loan mortgage approved with the title servicing records from the buyer who has been paying on time for the past six months. Yes, that will 100% be possible. Um, RTC, let's see. He had like a three-part series here. Hold on a second. <laughs> This is good. It's kind of like it's kind of like a uh, a saga of like we're we're watching one one season after another. Here we go. Our TC is convinced she's screwed and no way around it. Well, because your TC obviously has not taken training from me. You're no one hundred percent. She's been getting denied. Um, she's been getting denied on a new mortgage due to debt to income ratio. It's because your transaction coordinator has not been trained properly. That's the problem. It's not that the, it is an issue. It's that it's. Um, an issue for people that are not trained. So tell her to watch do on sale clause or debt to income ratio on my YouTube channel and you'll get 90% of that answer. Okay. You, um, Marcus is asking a question to the bearded man and the man. Actually, I was going to say the man with the glasses, but both of these guys have glasses. So I, I kind of screwed myself. There we go. Marcus says, you guys work all over the country, but in California, what kind of opportunities you come in are coming your way more or more often? We're getting a little bit of everything. We are getting creative finance. We're getting fix and flips and we're getting development deals, mixed use development deals. We're doing one right now. So they're out there. Love it. Richard, is there anything specific that you guys like to see? You like to work on things that get you guys all sorts of fired up. 
uh, we love to work on single family deals, multi-family deals, um, anything that cash flows. Um, so that's right now the market is shifting right now, and that doesn't matter to us much. What matters is cash flow, right? Uh, from an investor standpoint. Um, so to answer that question, um, in California, we're seeing you know a lot of opportunities for VAPs and Airbnb. Um, so we see a lot of seller finance, so subject to opportunities, basically. Yeah. And we like we like the, the 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 hairy ones, the ones that are really difficult that others can't do. We like we like to get into the the deep underwriting. Love it, love it. Um, Those are our Donald, Donald says I have two sellers that have two off market deals. They want retail. That's not that's no surprise. That's what happens a lot of times in creative finance. Was thinking that they could be a Morby method, but thoughts. Well, Donald, what I would suggest is you immediately text. Richard or email Mitch Roy. I want to see who gets more messages by the end of this podcast. And I would have Richard and Mitch look at those deals and tell you if it's a subject to deal, a seller finance deal, a novation agreement, or a lease option, probably not a lease option, or potentially a Morby method deal. You don't know until you have somebody that has some experience in looking at these types of deals and um, actually underwrites it. Can you teach very quick on the DTI uh, reduction through servicing company? Is it 75% in two months and 100% in a year? It's actually 75% immediately and 100% in a year. But Bo Howard, I would go into the Zoom vault in sub two or go to, um, go to Tanisha and have her give you the video where I explain it for an hour and a half. It is very, very, very good. What are some seller financing questions I should ask the seller before bringing leads to a sub two student? Somebody like Mr. Richard Knowles or Mitch Roy. Mitch Roy, give me one question they should ask the seller and Richard Knowles, give us one question they should ask the seller before somebody comes and brings a lead to you. It's a great question. When you're talking about seller finance, we like to have a minimum number of years. We prefer 15 years. So I would ask the seller, hey, Mr. Diddy, how long are you willing to go on this? Uh, are you willing to do this for 0% and zero down? And then I shut my mouth and I listen. Oh, that's great. Richard, yeah, what about you, brother? Yeah, sorry. So, um, you know, of course, the four pillars, you know, motivation, timeline, condition, price. Uh, that's truly important. We understand, you know, why, why are they selling? Are they an investor? You know, are they in pain? Um, what kind of down payment they're looking for? What do they want to do with the money? So we can at least use... Um, what the plan for the money is and kind of come up with a creative solution for that homeowner, you know? Love it. The number one thing I want to know is, did you actually talk to the seller? As, as crazy as that is, I get so many new people that go, Pace, I found a great deal. And I'm like, perfect. Tell me about it. And then they send me a Zillow link. I go, I'm going to assume <laughs> you've not spoken to the seller. Oh no, I haven't done that yet then how in the flying pig do you know it's a good deal? Right? So guys, if you're afraid to talk to the seller, watch a couple of YouTube videos on how to talk to sellers. Okay? It, the, the information's out there. Creative finance, the information is not readily available all, all over line. It's really hard to understand. People teach it differently. Come in here to Sunday service. Go work with a sub two student. People will help you out. But my gosh... Let's make sure that you actually have a phone call with a seller or you have a reason why somebody like Richard Knowles or Mitch Roy should call them. Maybe they're in foreclosure. Maybe the house is a burned down house, something along those lines. Make sure there is an absolute 
uh, pain or a motivation. Okay. Okay. Cody. Um, Ooh, I'm curious what Cody thinks about this. Cody. Um, I've received an inheritance in a lump sum. Unfortunately, I have no work history because I was a student for the past few years. Based on your expertise, what are my options? So just something, just some feedback on like asking a more specific question, Sherry. Um, I, I appreciate you, you posting this, but it would be helpful to get a better understanding of like, well, how much inheritance? Like, because if you said that lump sum was like $15,000, my answer is going to be different than if it was, you know, $500,000, you know, because I, I don't, I don't know what your inheritance looks like. Um, but let's assume, let's assume it's 50 grand. Okay. Um, assuming you got $50,000. Give it to you, Pace. <laughs> give it directly to Pace. Wire it directly to me. And don't go through title. Just go directly to me. <laughs> uh, so, so my first thing. Okay. So she said 100K. Th thank you, Sherry, for, for feeling, you know, comfortable to, to share that. Appreciate that. So, so $100,000. If, if I got a $100,000 lump sum and I didn't have expertise in the real estate industry um i would probably and and this answer may be a little crazy but i'm assuming you said you had been a student for the past few years and i'm assuming you're getting into a w-2 job from graduating i would probably take advantage of you know probably being younger because you're you just graduate you know you're just finishing up college and i would go buy a property that i could house hack meaning I would go buy a property that was either a duplex, triplex, or fourplex if that is an option in your local market. If not, I would buy a house that has at least three or four bedrooms, live in the master bedroom, and then rent out the other rooms in the house and save most of that 100K by putting a smaller amount down on an owner-occupied residence. And you could live essentially almost for free or profit if you have multiple, you know, if it's a duplex, triplex, or a fourplex, and then use some of that other money that you have to invest in yourself and some education on how you can invest better in real estate while you just reduced your living expenses, while you invested in essentially what will be your first asset and your first rental when you eventually move from that property. That's what I would do if I was in that same situation. Um, but curious to see if, you know, Richard or Mitch or Pace, if you had any ideas on that as well. Um, no, that was a great question and a great answer. We're going to move on to this one because I know we have an answer for this one because we got the details. I'm looking, I, I already know what state this is. So I think we can answer this one pretty um, easily. Arizona home. I don't know how you got that name on YouTube. That's pretty good. I'm looking to learn how to remove a memorandum on a lot that I'm trying to buy. There's at least 400 people in this Zoom right now that don't know what a memorandum is, just so you know, or in this live. The original buyer who didn't perform is holding up my sale with the seller. Fizbo? It doesn't matter if the, if the seller, Fizbo, it, for sale by owner, it doesn't matter if the seller tries to sell the property themselves to a, a, a regular home buyer. There's still a memorandum on the property. So, Cody, we had a recent memorandum on Coolidge that was placed. What did we do when somebody else put a memorandum on a property that we got under contract and we ended up going and fixing and flipping? How did we remove that memorandum because the other buyer 
had an invalid memorandum. Either they didn't perform or they actually got the contract after we did. How, how do you get a memorandum removed? Time and money. Meaning we reached out to our attorney and we got our attorney involved in communicating with the other buyer that had put the memorandum on the property. Because on this particular property, Pace and I had already had it under contract with, with a date that was before the other buyer and we had already filed our own memorandum. So then when they went and contracted it and then filed their memorandum on it, we already had ours filed before that. So we were able to go to our attorney and basically pay him a bunch of money to go and fight and get that memorandum removed because they had no case to win because we were under contract before they were. So we had a, the case to win, win the battle on that deal. It, it ended up costing us no. about $2,000. It cost $2,000 plus the $10,000 in holding costs while we couldn't do anything to the Don't property. tell him that. <laughs> Let that be a surprise. <laughs> it's, like, it's like buying a donut, expecting you're just getting frosting on the top, but it turns <laughs> out to be a Bavarian cream. You got frosting on the inside too. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. Actually, it, it probably cost us an extra... $12,000 to get a memorandum pulled off, but just the pulling the memorandum off itself. So for yeah, example, yeah. we already, okay. We already had a proper, the pro we already owned the property guys. That's the difference that, that we, it got tied up in some legal disputes after we own the property, after we close on the property, that's what Cody's talking about. But if you get a property under contract before you buy it, there's a memorandum. It's going to cost you about a month and $2,000 with an attorney. Okay. Um, all right, let's get into some good questions here. I already know the answer to this one. Cody, what do you prefer? A showroom Lambo Aventador? That's their new minivan version, right? <laughs> okay. The Aventador or a Vinwicky Ed Bolian Fixer Lambo. I don't even I don't know, know what the hell that is. So I'm going to go with the Lamborghini Aventador because I maybe I'm not staying up to date in the car world, but I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay, let's let's test Richard and Mitch on this, okay? Rashad, we're going to go to Richard on this one, okay? So get ready for this, Richard. Hey, guys, thanks for the time. What is the best way to fund a renovation on a house that you are buying sub to with using your own money? Okay, I'm going to assume that he's saying without using your own money because you just answered the question yourself, Rashad. Hey, if I'm using my own money, how do I renovate the property? That There's no way that's your question. There's no way that's your question. So your question has to be, if I don't want to use my own money on a sub two deal and I'm going to turn into a, I'm going to renovate it, Richard, where are some options that I can get money for a sub two renovation? Absolutely. Uh, you can use private money, uh, hard money, uh, gated lenders, a lot of different options out there. And it's also um, a company called Kerbio, which is a company that will renovate the property for you without you having to pay any money. So they get paid on the back end. It's kind of like a novation. Uh, so Pace and Cody talk all about innovations. Uh, but Kerbio is actually a company, a construction company, renovation company that will renovate the property for you with no money out of your pocket. Uh, they get paid on the back end when you sell the property on MLS. So, yeah. Um, here we go. Um, Pace, my wife is watching. Can you give Ravine Carter a shout out? Yeah, she's dope. 
It was good meeting her in Dallas the other day. I freaking love that. That was absolutely amazing. So, guys, we are doing a contest, right? We have 20 minutes left. I want to know how many people have texted Richard. Okay, if you are, first and foremost, if you're a sub-two student and you don't know Richard Knowles and you're a sub-two student and you don't know Mitch Roy, how dare you? These are my boys. They've been in the program for over two years. If you're not a sub-two student then and you need some help, underwriting, talking to sellers, comping a deal, talking about Curbio, talking about how to have dreads, talking about how to grow a beard, whatever it is that you need, these boys are servants. And so I want to know, Richard, how many text messages have you received? Please tell me it's over 30. I have uh, six. six. Are you kidding me? Isn't this interesting that you have 550 people that come here to learn knowing that they now have somebody to reach out to. They don't have to pay for any mentorship. They don't have to do anything. It's six people. Okay, Mitch, are you winning right now? Do you have more emails than than Richard does? I am. Okay, you're he he has he does not. We have 550 guys. You guys want help? You want people to call your sellers, lock up deals, underwrite deals? You you've got the answer right here on your screen. So let's keep texting, keep emailing, okay? Um, all right. What are the most important things to keep in mind when creating or selling notes? Um, don't. It, 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 this is an interesting thing. Real places. This is my personal opinion. We create notes, but we, we our strategy, we, we, we've created notes. We don't like selling notes. Do you know why? Because we want to hold assets. Okay. And maybe people in different phases of their business and people that are just really adverse to having tenants and actually owning properties, financially owning notes and selling notes and creating notes is not a true way to long-term wealth. It is a good way for little chunks of money here and there, some cash flow without any responsibility, which is kind of nice. It's a great strategy. I give it eight out of 10. Eight out of 10. My question to you, real places, so I can answer this a little bit better, is why do you want to create notes and sell notes? Is it because you're afraid of owning properties? Is it afraid you're afraid of actually having a portfolio? You're afraid of how to have tax benefits, appreciation, any of that kind of stuff? You tell me why in the world you would want to create and sell notes, okay? Um, all right, cool. Let's see here. Mitch and Richard, will you please post your contact information? Well, Marcy, they actually don't need to post their contact information because it's on their screen. And I think maybe that's what's going on right now is that people aren't looking at the screen. Maybe they're looking at their phone. Let's put it in the side chat. Let's blow it up in the side chat so people can copy and paste. Okay, Richard Knowles is 818-900-7581. I'm going to put it in the side chat right now. Cody. Yes, okay. sir. I'll, let me answer this one really quick. David Thompson, in an agreement for sale situation, what paperwork do you use for the acquisition to send to the title company attorney? An agreement for sale. You use an agreement for sale. It's literally called an agreement for sale. Okay. Payback, temporary financing. Okay. Nick says, I don't see the phone number anymore. Well, because I'm put, putting questions on the screen, guys. Come on, help me out, man. Oh my gosh, this is hard. It's hard sometimes dealing with people. Oh my gosh, people, you make my life so hard. 
Okay, Cody, I got a good question. I'm not going to pull it up here. Okay. Um, I'm not going to pull it up here because then somebody will say, well, their phone number is not on the screen anymore. Marcus says, much has said about recession. Are you guys making any adjustments on your business, meaning focusing more on buy and hold instead of flips or nothing really changes? Yeah, so really we've gotten not more, I don't want to say more conservative. I guess you could say that just a little bit more cautious on the deals that we will or will not take down. Um, when it comes to fix and flips, we really, instead of needing to make 10% on the deal, we're looking closer to upwards of 15 to 20% on a deal and sticking strictly in the median price point. Because here's the thing that's interesting about what's going on in the market, uh, specifically Arizona, because that's the main market that we fix and flip in, is the with interest rates rising, it's really priced out a lot of the first-time home buyers and kind of that mid-level median home is now really the the only homes uh that would have been available people aren't selling so inventory is still super low in phoenix on median level homes because people don't want to sell because they have a three percent interest rate on their home now and if they sell and go move up maybe into a bigger house their interest rate is going to be six percent six and a half percent so their payment's going to triple double if not triple going up to a little bit bigger home so now what happens is because there's now there was already low inventory in the median price point and now those same buyers that lived in that median price point home can't move up to a bigger home those homes are not coming for sale so it's even squeezing even more on the median price point. I think the higher price points are going to, you know, be a lot more affected with interest rates changing, you know, closer to a million, a little over a million range. Um, but median and below, I think are still going to be super strong as far as what we look at here in Phoenix. But when it comes to our fix and flips, because there is uncertainty, um, we've went from 4,000 homes for sale listed in Arizona in March of this year to 14,000 as of June july right coming up on july there's obviously inventory going up so we're just looking at that and saying okay based on what's going on in our market if we're going to get into flips we want to make a higher spread for potential higher risk that could be coming over the next few months as interest rates potentially rise more so those are things that we're looking at and when it comes to rental properties pretty much if it's not a creative finance deal the rentals don't really make that much sense to buy because of the debt structure right now. With interest rates being almost at around 6% for owner occupants, we're getting quoted 7%, 7.5%, 8% on rental properties. So that's really what's changed in our strategy. So not really that much. It's just adjusting a couple things here and there. Interesting. I love this. Now, Krista says, Pace, I added you on Facebook, but I'm waiting patiently for you to follow me back. I can't tag you. You're my one and only mentor. Krista, I spend most of my time on social media on Instagram. So please DM me on Instagram. We can, I will, I'll follow you on Instagram. Let's do that. Okay. Now, oh, this one's great. Zach Cobb, when does a private money lender get paid back in a seller financing deal? Mitch Roy. You want to take a swing at this, bro? You you're, you're unmuted. We can hear you. 
Yeah, go ahead. You know, it really depends on the structure of the deal, whether you put them in for one year, one month, three years, they get paid when you determine they get paid. It's how you structure the deal. And that's, you know, uh, just a little bit of a side note, what what Pace and Cody have taught us here. And, and I've been in this mentorship two years. It's just starting to hit me now. What you're really teaching us, guys, is a vocabulary and a language of creative finance, uh, basically letters of an alphabet. And what we're doing, and you've taught us how to put them together into words, it's unlimited how many creative ways you can structure these these concepts that you're teaching us. So to go back to your question, it could be one month. It's whatever you determine that makes the deal work for all the participants. So to get really specific on this, how, when does a seller private or when does a private lender get paid back? That's a great answer. I like Mitch's answer. It depends on the conversation, right? Because if I go down the, the road and I ask my uncle, Tim, hey, Tim, I need $25,000 for furniture in my Airbnb. My uncle, Tim, might go, you know what? My daughter's wedding's in four months. Can you pay me back in four months? And I have to make a determination if that's okay timeline for me. Is it a short-term deal? Am I going to fix and flip it? If I'm not going to fix and flip it, then four months is probably not a good fit for me unless I know that my uncle John four more houses down the road has 25 grand coming to him in three months that I could replace my uncle Tim's money in three months before he needs it for his, his daughter's wedding. All of these conversations are had when you are negotiating with a private money lender. Okay. I know it sounds silly to go through some of these specifics, but there is no answer to this unless you actually talk to a private money lender. Now, the advantage you have as a sub two student in sub two is that when you go into a Zoom and people know who you are in sub two, you can raise money in about two minutes. Okay, I've seen people raise $100,000, $600,000 in one Zoom just by hanging out with other sub two students. Okay, It depends on what that person needs. So Zach Cobb, what I would do is I would go back to um, our YouTube channel. And I would type in Pace Morby raising private capital. I actually have a four hour YouTube video. I know that's crazy. Like who the hell does YouTube four hour YouTube videos? Like how that's dumb am I that I do you. that? What's that? It's a short one for you. That's like kind of like a, you know, normal, normal one. Seriously. Pace Morby raising to, oh yeah, there we go. Raising private capital. Let's pull this up. Let's see if we can find one. Um, okay. There it is. This is great. Let me just pull this up for you guys. I promise you, we put so much time and so much energy into making sure that you guys get what you need. Uh, share screen window, bada bing, bada boom. Check this out, everybody. You see this right here? This was four hours that we posted a month ago. It has about 6,000 views. Where do I find private capital? What provides, what provides private capital uh, or who provides private capital and why would they lend it to me? How do we structure a deal and talk to these investors? This is a really phenomenal video. I actually go through, I explain where to find them. I break them down and I, I show you guys actual documents of our lenders, all that kind of stuff. This is a masterclass on raising private capital. Okay. So go back and watch that. If you guys have, where do I find a private money lender? Okay. I talk about Sonia, real story on a house that I bought for myself. I talk about story. Where did they come from? How did I find them, et cetera? Really, really, really specific. All right. All right. So 
Ooh, you know what would be great, Richard and um, Mitch, is I'm going to put your contact information in the side chat a couple more times, but put your Instagram in the side and let's have people tagging you on Instagram so people can DM you on Instagram. That might be a really easy way to communicate as well. Have them follow you on Instagram, okay? Here we go. Can I use sub two? Okay, this is great. Cody, can I use sub two or creative finance here in Puerto Rico? You not only can you, it's probably even more recommended there if less banks, traditional banks will finance there. I don't know how the banking system is there, but yes, the answer is yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Is it possible to open a bank account for an LLC while being overseas? I've got a call with Prime Corporate Services on Wednesday, but won't be back to the States in another two to three weeks. Yes. We just started using a company called RelayFinancial.com. And you can get, I believe, a discount code by using the code PACE. RelayFi is the name of the is the website. RelayFi.com forward slash PACE should work. Oh my gosh, it does work. That's dope. So Relay Financial is an online banking system that's like Chase, Wells Fargo, all of those types of banks that you can open up a bank account online without being in person. And they actually follow the exact business model that um, Cody and I do. They actually use something called Profit First. So RelayFi.com forward slash pace. We actually get, I actually think I get paid for this. I think we get like $30 if somebody signs up for a bank account. So dude, Give me $30. Like I would love $30 right now. I I would freaking <laughs> love $30 right now. RelayFi.com forward slash pace. Not all the time that we provide a link do we get paid, but in this situation, I think we get paid, even though we've never been paid by them. Um, they're great. Nick says, I just joined the mentorship and I'm trying to find where I find all the different exit strategies and when to pitch them. Are they in the vault? 1,000%, Nick, they are in the vault. What I would do, hey, Mitch, you could you imagine if Nick could download all the Zooms that we've done together over the last two years and how they've been all segmented into the vault? Like, is there a single topic on creative finance we have not touched on? There's hundreds and hundreds of hours in there. It's amazing. It, just amazing. And it's segmented by category. It, it's so easy. It's unbelievable. We, we really made it specific to topic. All right. So Richard and Mitch, did you guys start getting more texts and emails once we put in the side chat? Yeah, I have uh, 105 texts now. 105. Oh my gosh. We went from six yeah. to 105. Okay. Yeah. Mitch, what about you? I want to know the emails. Are you kicking Richard's ass or what? <laughs> <laughs> I've got about 57 texts and about 70 or so emails. It's overwhelming. Thank wow. You. So 120 combined. Richard, we got to step up your game. Guys, get Richard and um, these boys, get them taken care of. Get in touch with these guys. If you're a sub two student, you should know them. If you're not a sub two student, you should know them. We got six more minutes. Cody, this one's for you, brother. Daniel Gonzalez. Hey, y'all. I'm a new licensed realtor in Austin, Texas, looking to lock down my first deal. I'm having trouble with offering $10,000 down, even though I'm meeting sales price and sellers that sellers are asking for. Daniel, Cody has an answer for you, but I'm, I'm curious what Cody's answer is going to be. So looking at that, um, 
my guess is that you're trying to lock these up as like a seller finance or maybe a subject to deal and trying to give them $10,000 down. Um, my best guess on why you're having trouble getting them to agree to $10,000 down is one, maybe it is the motivation factor um, of the, it's just you're talking to the wrong people. That could be one of the things. Um, the second thing that might be happening there is you're offering on, on homes that are way higher priced. Like if you're offering $10,000 down and those are in Austin, Texas, where the home prices have really went up over the last couple of years, you're probably offering 10 grand down on 600, seven, $900,000 houses. And typically people are going to want to see a little bit more down than that. Do we get deals that are very low down to nothing down? Yes. Is it a lot harder on that price point? Yes. So you may just have to adjust and you can change your terms and have some flexibility potentially if it's a seller carry or subject to based on, you know, if it's a seller carry, how about I do a higher purchase price, but have less money down? Like you could flex those things um, and, and, and adjust based on your offer. Uh, but, you know, typically if you're having trouble getting them to accept 10 grand, it's just too significantly less for the amount of motivation that they might have. Uh, Frank Gonzalez says, I have a hot lead in South Texas. Like, is she a blonde or is she brunette? I'm oh just curious. Like, how hot is she? Sorry, I couldn't refrain. Sunday service. Here we are. Shit. Here we are. Here we are. Okay, so um, let's let's practice this. Okay, let's practice this right now. Frank Gonzalez, I'm curious. Have you reached out to Richard Knowles via text message? His, his phone number is on the screen. Let's put in the side chat one more time, Richard and Mitch, as we're wrapping up the show today. How is it that Frank Gonzalez, if he hasn't texted you, how is he? How is it that he hasn't? You know what I'm saying? Because you guys are here to call sellers. You're here to underwrite deals. You're here to work with people. You've made money with people in the free Facebook group. You've made money with, with people from Sunday service. You've made money with sub two students. You are here to JV with people all over the country. And Frank Gonzalez has to tease us with some hot brunette lead that he's got in, in Texas. Bro, James in Tulsa says Pace's mom is in South Texas. That is freaking great. Thank you. That was that was money. Thank you. Um, Gabriel says, Richard and Mitch are the goats. I do agree with that. Can you please put your contact information in the side chat one more time, boys? All right. All I know, um, I genuinely didn't, didn't have much questions today. The sub two JV answers it all. Yeah, that's basically it. If you, if you JV with sub two students, literally like every answer you'll ever want will be given to you. Mitch Roy, Richard Knowles, we appreciate you. Um, I had to um, mute Mitch Roy a few times because he's got some feedback tonight. I'm sorry, brother, but you're so freaking handsome. I don't even know what to tell you. Love you. I appreciate you. You're my brother. Richard Knowles, you're my brother. I love you too. Guys, uh, how many text messages do you have right, right now, Richard Knowles? Um, I think about 132 maybe, around that range. 132. Carlos Bolton says, how can I find more sub two students? I will. Two of them are on the screen first and foremost. Um, and then we have a few thousand of them in the free Facebook group called creative finance with pace Morby and just go in there and say, Hey, my name is Carlos Bolton. I want to work with some of pace's sub two students in my local geographical area. And I would be hard pressed 
for you to tell me that you can't find somebody within 50 miles of you. Okay. We are everywhere. We are sub two. Um, Mitch Roy, do you, do you think you're beating Richard Knowles ass tonight or what? <laughs> Doing pretty well on the emails. I've got a lot here. I think he's uh, taking it on the texts. 132 people guys. I think Richard, I think Richard has taken the cake. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate sun, sub two. I appreciate Sunday service. I appreciate you guys pouring into the community. Cody, I'm not sure if you're frozen or not. Oh, there he goes. He blinked. He was trying to do the mannequin challenge, but he screwed up and blinked. Um, I love this. Okay, this is great. Michael Cordova says, Pace, I had a disagreement with some seasoned investor. He mentioned that there is no federal law that you mentioned that requires them to remove 75% of DTI after and remove. Uh, I know you're a licensed loan ever. I love if you prove him wrong. Michael, please have him text me. Okay. I will be over at his mother's house. Tell him to text me at his mother's house, please. Is that not funny? That's not funny. Okay. <laughs> Um, tell him, DM me this guy's name. I'd love to chat with him. In fact, we'll bring him on Sunday service. It won't even have to be about proving him wrong. It'll be a friendly discord and it'll be great. I'd love that. They'd be, a, we'd have a blast. Mitch Roy, Richard Knowles. We love you. You guys have a great night. Cody Barton. You're amazing. You're amazing. What kind, what, what do we got coming up this week? We, you th we got that uh, cool sub two or no, we got a cool seller finance deal today. Zero percent seller finance that yep. Hiel, your girl, your hottie girl. That's never, I've never seen her look more brown in my life. And I was like, you are so beautiful today. <laughs> She'd been laying out or what by that oh, new yeah, fancy pool you got laid out all morning. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Last question of the night. Can you explain why you hate group homes? Cody, do you remember that year of my life that I spent with Eric Sage traveling yeah. around all over Arizona, traipsing around, yes. spending all my time? I smelled like diarrhea and throw up and um, all sorts of things you couldn't even imagine. Guys, group homes are trash. It's a non-scalable business model that requires way more attention than you could ever even imagine. <laughs> there are easier ways to make money with less headaches, way more upside, less management and way more scalable. Okay. I've done it. We bought four properties, bought four properties, seller finance and subject to back in 2019, I believe it was back in 2019. And I operated them for a year. Meanwhile, our fix and flips, our other sub two and seller finance deals were stacking up and racking up and doing all this stuff. And it was such an easy business model to scale. And I was stuck with four properties dealing with nurses, dietitians, doctors, legislation, all sorts of things. I get calls at two o'clock in the morning pace. We have another person that passed away. Can you please come down to the property, bro? You do not want to run that business model. I have yet had a conversation with somebody where they convince me they actually want to. It is something you fall into and you never get out of. It's a horrible business model. Stay away from it. There's your answer. Cody, what do you got to say to the people for Sunday service? We love you. We appreciate all of you for being here and I encourage you to go give back to some people this week and go take action. What's amazing to me is that you just did a three day run of 14. No, I'm sorry. Probably closer to 16 hours straight, three days in a row. And you still showed up to Sunday service to serve 560 people. That's You're a freaking gangster. You're a freaking That's gangster. That's what we do. It's part all right, of guys, job. we'll see you next week on the Sunday service. Later. Oh, yeah.